thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Um, so, Aaron, thank you especially. I, I saw Tim uh, tooted out your uh, your terrific piece. Uh, I got to say, I'm I'm in love with the title of this piece, um, <laughs> "Loose Eyes Over Mastodon." We, I, I mean, it, it's it's kind of masterful, honestly. I just feel I, you must have been very satisfied with the title. Is, is that a? I just, I, I, okay, let, let me just uh, let me expand on this for you, so you don't have to appear like a a, a, a narcissist here. Let me just actually the, the high praises of this thing. I love the juxtaposition between a blue, a beautiful blue sky, and the kind of the, the, this kind of ominous foreshadowing of these skies hanging over Mastodon. It's just you, you, you've just captured this juxtaposition perfectly. I think, I, not to read too much. Yeah, I, I don't want it to be all about extinction. I don't. I didn't <laughs> quite quite mean all of that. Um, but thank you. It, it's, it's also really, uh, yeah. with William Gibson joining shortly after I read the post as well. And given the famous, you know, evocativeness of the sky and uh, the start of uh, the, the book, channel. I also yeah. Was great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and all, all credit to the uh, heavy allergy medication that has been involved in surviving the Pacific Northwest's allergy bomb. Um, if this is the result of allergy medication, you may need to kind of pass it around a little bit. This is some good stuff, <laughs> some good allergy medication. But, because in particular, I also think that like the – so you open this piece um, by uh, the, the, the vegetarian soysage. Um, is that the actual – label from the soy that's the label i was i was so delighted to find it um you know for people who aren't actually seeing it i i hadn't seen it since i was a little kid so um i I found a scan in like a google book scan of some kind of um comprehensive reference of vegetarian and vegan businesses from the like 1970s (laughs) through 80s which exists, and now I wish I owned the book because um, this is amazing. But yeah, were you on a multi-year quest for this? How did you? I mean, it just like doesn't feel like a, a tome that you kind of casually dip into because you're looking for that uh, that label from your youth. It's, I spend a lot of time on Google Books, man. <laughs> that's like my main hangout. If Google Books was a social network, that's where I would be. Um, no, but I didn't even. I had forgotten. The, the little pig. Um, but as soon as I saw the little smiling pig with the flower necklace and the little twisty ears, it was just like, oh man, I genuinely have not seen this since 1983. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of soy sage in my house. And, um, and, and I, I, I don't think I, I had any interest in it as a, as like a revisiting that sense memory <laughs> until I was trying to find a figure for the vibe um, that it, it seemed like was happening on Mastodon. Um, so then everybody had to think about carob chips and I apologize. Uh, it was so vivid, the description. <laughs> and I mean, do, does the little pig give you the smiling pig? Does that give you uh, like a fight or flight reaction? I mean, does that, a, a, do you, <laughs> w- w- do you, I mean, I think speaking, Adam, I think I can speak on behalf of both of us. I mean, we 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 did talk last time about our quest to eat horse in Belgium. I mean, we this is we are at the opposite end of the vegetarian sausage spectrum. Oh no, I think I think is. I've eaten horse in Japan. Um, no, I actually am not. I'm not a vegetarian at this time. Um, I'm I'm vegetarian friendly. Um, 
but yeah, no, I actually love this pig. Like who could not love this little smiling pig? It's a great, it's a great pig. The typography gives me fight or flight. Um, the, the, the typesetting there, the, the, that typeface that Soy Sage has written in just gives me the real skin crawl. But um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you grow up? For those of you who can't see. No, he, well, so I, I grew up in Colorado, so in the, in the 80s. Oh, so this is like, yeah. I, I mean, you were I mean, ground got, zero. Got, <laughs> ground zero. Ground zero. Intense vibes. Intense Big vibes. Culture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, so but this, this piece was, was terrific. And Thank we, in a, I think, a great way to talk about what we've seen. Because in the last uh, 72 hours, it's been, uh, we, it feels like we've kind of gone through an interesting <laughs> potential inflection point. And so uh, you should know that, that our colleague, Steve Klabnik, was here. Um, so Steve, when, when the, the kind of great Twitter exodus was, was really underway, Steve was biding his time. And I, and I felt like, all right, this is going to be, it'll be an interesting indicator when, Steve, when, when Twitter finally gets to the point where Steve has to uh, consider something else. And Steve, that happened uh, this past week, right? I mean, this was yeah. Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird and kind of sad. I so yeah. much of my life has been focused around Twitter for the past fifteen years that it dying is just like devastating. Like I don't know. It's it's really weird to like say that Twitter is that important, but Twitter is legitimately like that important to my life. Uh, most of my like I signed up right at the end of college as I was starting to like become an adult, and Twitter has like been with me that whole time. And so you know, seeing it go sucks but also as opportunities for new cool things uh and i definitely like a lot of this a lot of this latest like exodus for me and part of the reason why i haven't left is like me and my college friends got mad about twitter's api policies in like 2012 and made a federated twitter clone uh and so i that did not work out for various reasons but like is, i've is seen this story happen a couple the, of times the, before before, after the unicorn that you were experimenting with, I mean, afterwards, you were really, after, okay, this is interesting. This is like, yeah. I feel like wild, the, wild uh, youth, exactly. <laughs> wild youth, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, age uh, appropriate. Age appropriate, you do a social network after a unicorn. Feels like that's the right sequencing there. So, um, totally. okay, so you had, and you had seen some, so th this is part of the reason why it was built and, on Activity Pub and like yeah, did like, all that stuff back then. And like that was like a whole thing. And like, you know, it's turned out it's hard to run a social network. Uh, and, yeah. You know, like the reasons like we just want Twitter, but two weeks ago without all this crap on the page is like not a good enough reason to get people to switch and you really need social connections. Like social networks require your friends moving over. And so like, as I had more and more friends that were not like literally part of my friends that made this, uh, it just became not usable because when I wanted to talk to people, they were actually on Twitter. And so I had to go back. And so I did. Um, and so that's what's been like kind of weird and sad too about kind of the, like everyone leaving Twitter for various places is that, you know, a lot of my friends are like quit Twitter early and went to some other platform and I haven't been seeing their posts for a long time. And that kind of stinks. And when you say early, you mean in the post Musk era, what are the kind of the yeah. early out? I mean, like the, I mean like the first giant migration to Mastodon is what I right. mean. Like, cause I didn't, right. I have a Mastodon account. I don't use it. It's fun to get emails when people like find me via various tools and like sign up, but I don't, I don't, uh, I didn't use it a whole ton and I didn't start using it after this migration, but I know a lot of people did. Okay. And so did you happen to listen to the Oxide and Friends we did with Tim um, when Tim left Twitter on, and I don't know, did you have them re-listen to that recently? No, I haven't listened to it that recently. No. 
So I ended up re-listening to it just yesterday because I was, I was kind of carting the kids around. And Tim, you, I mean, we were praising your prescience on on that, uh, in that space, I guess, or in that Discord. So I guess it, it shouldn't have been a surprise, but uh, it was really interesting to go re-listen to that. And so Aaron, just for your context, uh, Tim wrote a blog entry on why he was leaving Twitter. This is like November. And yeah. we, we had this interesting conversation about Twitter and Mastodon and social networking and you know, you begin to see, and a lot of what your piece hits on, you see some of those early things in that conversation. So you see, I mean, Tim talking about, Tim, you were talking about all of the, the promise of federation, but you were also talking about some of the concerns that you had. And those concerns ended up being really, I think, borne out. I mean, I think that there are a bunch of, and it, Tim, you even mentioned Blue Sky uh, in that that conversation, you were talking about how you know your key, this is one to keep an eye on. Um, how how has your thinking kind of changed since then? And when, if at all, I mean, I know that you that you're obviously all still very in uh, defed for sure. Um, but I also noticed that you were on Blue Sky. What's what's kind of your take on 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 what we saw um, this past week? Well, I'll tell you, but, you know, just by way of potential consolation to Steve there, we should all bear in mind that in this particular multiverse, one of the many alternative futures is that Elon gets bored or the bankers drive him into bankruptcy and Twitter becomes interesting again. That is yes. something <laughs> yeah. that's not entirely impossible. <laughs> um, I think that's not entirely possible that Steve buys Twitter. Like, let's face it, Steve goes to, Steve buys it on the courthouse steps. No one else is there. I, the, 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 as, as the person who, uh, if you want to give me the raise that will allow me to afford to buy Twitter, then that would be uh, fantastic. Um, That's okay. That, now's the time to announce it. We're giving everybody a $44 billion raise. So congratulations, everybody. Don't, don't spend it all in one place. Yes. You've got to hold on, Brian, because that raise is getting lower every day. Yeah, that's true. That is true. The bar is definitely getting lower. Yeah, so I did, yeah, but Tim, that's true. That's one of the scenarios that you actually outlined when we talked. Yeah, to, 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 uh, you know, to address your point, um, well, it's interesting times we have, and particularly in the last 72 hours, you know, it, uh, the ground is shifting under us. This could be an inflection point. We may be seeing, you know, the the first day of the rest of uh, social media deciding what it's going to be right now. So it's, it's certainly interesting and kind of engrossing, and I'm trying to keep on doing other things I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm kind of fascinated <laughs> no. by, by all this. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing that, the, that I became convinced of late last year and I still believe passionately, is that there is no chance that any single big company can become the next Twitter. It, you know, that was just a, a sequence of good luck events and being in the right place in the right time and having some smart people there and so on. But, it, you know, it, it just isn't isn't wholesome and it's just not investable and it's not going to work. So, so I passionately believe that one way or another, the only sane future for social media is federation um, with, with, you know, a protocol-based thing. Uh, where it works like the internet, works like email or something like that, where anybody can set up a box and start playing. Uh, not, nothing else remotely makes sense. Now, okay, so given that, we have two candidates before us. We have the Fediverse based on ActivityPub, and we have Blue Sky based on the still moving target, not completed yet, AT protocol. Um, and the thing that comes to my mind is there's an old you know financial thing says, you know, you, you buy on the rumor and sell on the news. And... and <laughs> And right now, you know, uh, Blue Sky is the new kid on the block with with, with all this magical stuff. But you know, it, it's it's not there yet, right? You know, they've got they've got this uh, notion of the DID based identity, and that's not there. And they've got this notion of federation and and so on and so forth. None of it's actually really there yet. 
you know, uh, composable moderation policies. Sounds wonderful. Not there yet. And then, hey, just to, for equality, today, Mastodon announced that they were going to be bringing in quote tweeting and lists and uh, imp uh, improved onboarding experience and so on. So they're also talking futures. So it's whose futures are you going to bet on right now? And I don't know. I'm not smart enough. Which is honestly great. I mean, that that, are, that we were getting some kind of innovation in the space. And so, Aaron, this is all a good segue into into your piece. So do you want to talk about the origin of the piece a little bit? And I, they, because I think you you really laid out very well what we've seen happen with Blue Sky and kind of where Mastodon has come from. Yeah, sure, I can try. I mean, it, I, I will cop to being super opportunistic about this because I'm going to take every chance I can to kind of beat the drum about making our networks more welcoming and, and inclusive, like in a, in a deep way, um, making it easy for people to come in, but also making it feel nice and not annoying to use the thing. Um, because on one hand, uh, I'm selfish and I like my Mastodon feet a whole lot better when there are more kinds of people on it. Um, and, and then the other thing is, you know, working on this trying to make uh, parts of the internet better business for a couple decades and I'm still kind of on that. I don't think we should just make things for people who are like us. You know, I'm a nerd. I like Mastodon because I'm a nerd, um, but I, I like a lot of people who aren't, who aren't tinkerers. And so it felt like the blue sky um, still closed beta um, blowing up sort of the way it has was a good, a good hook. Um, ideally for getting some attention on that stuff that at least from the outside, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not uh, in there every day on the GitHub with um, the core Mastodon project. Uh, it's it's felt like things were moving really slowly. It's like the timing turned out to be extremely funny to me that there was like an official blog post when I woke up. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like, wait a minute, I'm getting a promotion now that I just told you that I'm going to quit? <laughs> Hold on. Oh, wait, do I, wait a minute. What's yeah. going on? No, I mean, but I, the thing is, like, I still, yeah, the, the post was never intended to be, you know, like, I, I think Mastodon stinks and I'm leaving. Um, I, I, like Tim, like, I have no idea what's going to happen with Blue Sky. I actually don't think anyone knows what's going to happen with Blue Sky. And one of the things that concerned me a little about the conversation that I saw on Mastodon was a lot of people were really certain that they knew what was going to happen with Blue Sky and it was all going to be terrible. And everybody who got involved should be shamed in advance for thinking about going there. And that just, that, I mean, that bums me out because I don't think, I don't think we know. I do think it's totally fair to be leery and be like, you know, I hated Twitter. Therefore, I'm not touching anything that Jack's ever, you know, got his, his fingers on. Um, you know, fine. Um, but it, it felt like such a huge response, at least in the part of, of you know, Mastodon that I'm on, which is super subjective. Um, just to kind of write, write all of this stuff off. Um, before anyone gets a look at it. And I was like, oh, I feel like we should be doing something better than shaming people. Cause I don't think, um, you know, the, the moralizing argument is actually, I don't think it has a lot of mass appeal for things like networks where people want to hang out and look at their friends' pets. Um, so, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's what happened. I was also supposed to be doing other things this week. <laughs> We're shipping a computer right now. I, this is like the last thing we should be doing. So don't worry. You're in a serious space in that regard. Um, yeah. But, but it is, it is, it is transfixing because it's important. I mean, I do agree, Steve, to what you said at kind of a, at the top. I mean, I feel that like social networking is really important. It's important to how we meet people and organize and, 
it, it's important how we inform ourselves. And so I think it's, it is, I don't think it's wrong for this to be important. I think sometimes we feel ashamed that it's important, but it is important. And what I loved about your piece, Aaron, is you really just kind of described what a bunch of what has happened. Um, and I, I, I felt like, and in particular, I liked the fact that you were just taking it apart a bit on Blue Sky, because I do think it is a mistake to say, well, this is VC funded, so therefore it's going to be you know another Twitter. It's like, well, you got to look at the details here. And in particular, something that you called out that I also observed is the the CEO of Blue Sky, Jay yeah. Graber. She's, she's really interesting. I mean, her, the way she has just engaged to me is yes. really interesting. And it like was, and Adam, I don't know if you saw this as well, but it is, this so much reminds me of, and I, and Tim and Aaron, I just, Steve, you may have been too young for this, but that summer of 2003, the Friendster summer of 2003, Adam, <laughs> I know you remember this because- totally. I, I mean, y you and I were both, I mean, were, ha I mean, it was so much fun because this is yeah. like social networking. And, and do you remember that the, like the people, the users of Friendster were having an absolute ball, totally. but, but Jonathan Abrams was a lot less into people having fun on Friendster, like Jonathan Abrams. And I'm, this is not like. I, I'm not speaking pejoratively here. This is just factual. Jonathan Abrams invented Friendster to meet girls. So the anything that was kind of so you creating like a, the lamp post on the the corner as a character on Friendster was definitely contrary to. And do you Adam, do you remember him like deleting people like creating their cats and so on and people are deleting. Oh yeah, them absolutely. Yeah, them. yeah. It's sort of no it, weirdly no fun for the thing that was supposed to be fun. It was weirdly no fun, but it was like super fun. I mean, he couldn't actually, and it was like the fact that he was trying to be like the the assistant principal disciplinarian of Friendster made it in some ways even like way more fun. Aaron, I don't know if you were if you were kind of online at this point, but it was a ball. But he was actually he was fighting his users, and which I kind of loved at the time. <laughs> like, how can you not love that that dynamic? Yeah, would you? I definitely. I remember like my. My wife was definitely like loving creating, like to see how many animals she could create before he would destroy <laughs> them all. Um, I mean, she, it was that was a literal cat and mouse game. Um, yeah, it was. It was fun. Part of it was the thing. The thing was like becoming unusable. I think because there, like, it was just overwhelmed with activity and connections and nodes, and I, they, he was probably desperate to get all the you know junk out of there to so that the real accounts could sort of be usable. Yes. And I contrast all of that to Jay's, the way she's handled herself through this has been so much fun. So if you don't know about the health thread, there is a, uh, I mean, it's one of these things. It's like, I feel like I'm kind of explaining a stupid inside joke, it, it, but it is definitely very funny. Um, you effectively have a, a, a robot duck, an AI duck, that loves to engage with Burdock, that loves to engage with folks. And it and I believe another bot have been, it's were the ones that initially started engaging one another on this thread. This thread became yeah. to the point where that it was unloadable. So if you got mentioned in the thread, you'd get notifications, but you can't quit. And it, it would be not surprising for a CEO to be kind of flipping out about this and telling people to like stop like talking to Burdock and like, oh my God, everybody like quit. But she just hacked right into it. And 
it was I thought felt like very transparent about where they were and weren't, but also just like it it really listened to users. And I think the the kind of Naples Ultra of this is the origin of Skeet, right? Which is the the and I don't know, Steve. You you know you're a Blue Sky OG, so maybe you can uh, walk us through the history. All these people that showed up 48 hours after me don't know what they're talking about. Tuesday. I've been here for two whole days before you all. So yeah, no, it's very funny. Let me pile on briefly on on the subject of Jay. Yeah. I don't know how much of the history people know, but but she got that job by more or less pure force of will. Um, yeah. She, she 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 had the idea. She she got the idea and just bludgeoned them with this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. I want to do this. And 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 I, I'm I'm just very very impressed with Jay Graber. I you know, I think a very interesting person and a super interesting part of the story. And whereas I remain you know somewhat unconvinced of of the whole blue sky idea at some point on the uh, for some anyhow for, for a variety of reasons. Um, they're good people, I think. You know, you, yeah. you hang out with them a bit, and and they are sincerely trying to do a, a good thing in the world. And and I'm actually kind of kind of pissed at the the Macedonians who say, ah, they're all a bunch of evil uh, libertarian uh, yada yada yadas, you know, who are trying to take over the world. Well, no, you know that that's not what's happening there. Um, and and it's 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 adding spice to the story, the whole thing. Well, and, and this is the point you made too, right? That like actually, like you look at the in particular uh, execution here really matters, and you look at how she and Blue Sky engaged when they had their first kind of folks that were being as as you I think right. you called them like a for real, a for real Nazi, yeah, <laughs> a straightforward. I'm a Nazi Nazi. Those are, those yeah. are easier to deal with. Yeah, not a crypto Nazi, yeah, like Nazi Nazi. Yeah, <laughs> a Nazi Nazi. And you want to describe kind of how she dealt with that because I was I was a huge fan of the way she dealt with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, they they did have a plan for for that that, uh, and I think there are a lot of rumors that fly around because it's a closed beta. Um, and and it's funny because it's a closed beta, so like there's very little information. And I think the temptation to just fill in that gap is irresistible. So people do kind of. Uh, tell a lot of tall tales about what's happening, I think, um, on Blue Sky. But one of them was like, Blue Sky is, is overwhelmed with Nazis. And I saw, you know, the, the, the guy who's the Nazi came on and the people reported him because there was a reporting function. And then, you know, uh, the Blue Sky team banned him. And then something that I think is actually super interesting is that they're keeping track of who invites whom. So the person who invited yes. the regular straight up Nazi uh, got their posts sort of made less public or demoted in, in ways that I didn't actually entirely go into. But then, you know, the, the, then Jay hopped on and was like, this is what we did. And we did it based on this policy that we have written here. Um, which again, you know, I think that is of a piece of the team generally showing a lot of grace under pressure, um, but also in some cases, more preparation than people think they've done. Um, they've done a lot of thinking clearly, but they're still making the app. So there's a lot of judgment flying around about how dare they launch this thing? You know, how dare they do this without having the blocking function working? You know, how dare you have a closed beta without this and the other thing? Which fine, you know, that do whatever you want to do. But um, I, I, I don't myself feel like it is, uh, that we've seen anything that suggests that these are people trying to do evil um, or people who, like you said, aren't listening. Um, I, it's, it's super interesting to me because I saw a lot of folks that I know from Twitter um, 
And I mostly got off of Twitter like a long time, like 2018, because I'm kind of a sensitive plant and it was too much for me. But um, I was on for work for a couple of years doing like some super stressful stuff in 2020 and 2021. Um, and then I just like gone. So when I got on Blue Sky, I was seeing a bunch of people that I love who I haven't seen since I was on Twitter. And they were openly discussing the fact that, you know, things are pretty busted. There is the health threat and there's like just things going wrong, besides like sometimes going down and weird new error messages. Um, but that they actually felt more hopeful and safer there, um, even with those things busted, than they did on Mastodon, which it is kind of wrenching, you know, because wrenching. Yeah. I, I also think Mastodon has a ton of potential. Um, but I hear, you know, I hear what they say. And and part of it is, you know, like I went on Mastodon and I had a whole bunch of just like really tedious conversations about how I was, you know, dumb or bad or, um, you know, morally vacant for not appreciating uh, things as they were or you know, whatever it is. There were a lot of people who tried to get on Mastodon, bounced off, went back to Twitter and warned people off. Um, so I don't know. Part of it is each network is its own echo chamber in its own weird way. And there's a lot of tribalism. And, and, and I think that's all understandable. But to me, it was like, what an incredible opportunity to see people talk about what they need and what matters to them and what actually makes them feel listened to and safe. And that's gold. Like these are people having these conversations in the clear because they want to have better things. And I think anybody who wants to make a better network or, you know, any kind of sociability tool of any kind should be attending to this stuff. Um, so that was, I don't know, it's been super interesting to watch. And also like uh, Blue Sky has been hilarious all week. Um, so that's just. It has been, been hilarious. I, well, been and, really and, and I, I think no one would accuse Mastodon of being hilarious. I mean, even, even I think Arden, <laughs> which I think is actually it actually reflects a deeper problem. So, and I, and I had this, this skeet describing how like I've laughed out loud more over the health thread than I have over my entire time on Macedon. And there actually is a deeper problem. And part of that deeper problem is that, you know, humor has edge to it. And, you know, it is um, being in a place where you can be funny. It's going to, there are going to be certain dynamics about how, like what that kind of a space is. And it's very funny. Um, it's, and I, I think that the the like that's not an accident. I think you're going to start to see, especially you know, part of the challenge with Macedon is you know, as you said, you're a nerd, I'm a nerd, but yeah. right now, like there are a bunch of of constituencies that I follow that are. I mean, ultimately, like I unblocked my Twitter account for actually two reasons. One of which I'm disgusted by, but it's just like I'm sorry, this is just not the better angels of my nature. I'm sorry, Abraham Lincoln. Um, I my because my account was locked. Um, I wanted to, and I thought it was like healthy for me because like, this is good. Like I'm not dunking when I would be dunking. And then there was just this absolute layup dunk on Sam Altman that no one seemed to be taking. I'm like, surely, because they, they had the open AI outage where he blamed unnamed open source software. And I'm like, surely someone has asked ChatGPT the wisdom of doing this and showing that even ChatGPT knows that you should not be blaming open source software for your outage. And I'm like, nobody else has taken this dunk. And I'm like, I cannot take this dunk as a locked account because it won't go viral. And so like, I'm going to unlock my account for the, this like terrible aspect of my own humanity. So 
I feel disgusted. I feel also vindicated because that dunk very much did go viral. So I definitely, that tweet did numbers for sure. Uh, so, but so that I, okay, that I feel gross about. Um, but the other reason that I, that I unblocked my account is because my, uh, my son's a college baseball player and Twitter is kind of like a LinkedIn for college athletes. Um, it's where they are communicating with, there's a, they, they, they don't want to get into all of athletics, but uh, the, um, and to not be on, I mean, you, you, at some degree, you like, you kind of have to be on Twitter because that's where that audience is. That audience is not going to Mastodon. His, like, his college baseball program is not going to go to Mastodon. It, like, there's absolutely no way. The, the you know, the, uh, the Oakland Athletics, yes, the Oakland Athletics, I'm not going to say that's not moved yet. They're not going to go to Mastodon. And the, the, the I, th- there needs to be a, a, another kind of a social network for those folks. And I think that, you know, that's all kind of caught up in the fact that like Mastodon's not funny. It's not, there's a level at which you need to be fun to be attractive. And I, I think that that's, it, Mastodon has got a lot of great attributes, but it has struggled in this regard. So I, I, I wrote a uh, couple of posts uh, today or yesterday saying the word I would use is earnest. Mastodon yes. is kind of yes. earnest. And uh, I, there, I think that is almost consciously a side effect of everybody's terrified of the bad things that can happen. And it is absolutely the case that the community of moderators, which I'm one, by the way, um, has a hair trigger approach. Hit it with the hammer if it smells bad. Then hit it with the hammer yeah. again. And yeah. that attitude is perhaps a little bit suppressive of, of transgressive fun. But in my heart, I, 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 I support it, I think. I, I think we need to err on that side based on the lesson of every freaking previous social network. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> well, I, yeah, and I think I see where it's well, coming from. Yeah. Having said I just that, don't know that, that. Yeah. I also have enjoyed the last few uh, uh, three days of, uh, of shitposting on, on Blue Sky <laughs> and stuff. But, you know, you do have the case of, of, of ass photos next to AOC. And I just wonder how <laughs> how sustainable that really well, is, and 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 they, you know, people are for the moment, uh, you know, moderating by hand. You know, the, the Mastodon tools may not be that great, but I don't think they have any. Um, so, so, so that I'm just got tweaked like a couple hours ago, uh, and so we'll see how it goes. Um, supposedly, they are now out of the What's Hot feed, um, in particular. Uh, yeah. What, what's out of the what's hot feed? Uh, so, so they like they like introduced like a AI classification for uh, like nudity, and then use that like the what's hot feed has historically just been like number of likes greater than five, seven. Now I think it's twelve, um, but they've added in like a classifier to uh, drop those posts from the what's hot feed. Obviously, uh, it can't be hundred percent accurate all the time, but like that's the the intended like current trajectory of that. When I signed up for Blue Sky, I feel like it was peak ass. Like nothing yeah. in what uh, what's hot except for and, and I was like, what what am I doing here? And and my wife kind of <laughs> looked over my shoulder and had the very same question, what are you doing here? I'm like, it's, it's for, for work. work. 
It's right. Yeah, exactly. This is this is what I do for work now. I I scroll through. What is this? And I remember you, you at at one point you were like between that and then like getting these various error messages when you it's like I you quoted me one of the error messages. You're like I get enough of this at work. Like why oh, yeah, am I, am I on here for the error messages? Stack overflow. It was like I'm I'm uh, you know stack overflow cannot load thread. I'm like I I do get enough of that at work. Like I was I was dealing with uh, stack overflow on Friday or something that I couldn't sort out. Right, really don't need this now. Yeah, so that's interesting, Steve. So a, kind of a late, and I because I think mm. that the yeah the um when the fact that that's kind of happening unapologetically is interesting too. Yeah, I mean they always. Well, I think that the moder the way moderation works in Blue Sky is like a very interesting concept, and I'm excited to sort of see it play out. Um, but like you know, you already have like if you if you uh oh, was that domain again skyline.gay, you can like literally get a curated feed based on what you want by typing in what you want to see more of or what you want to see less of. And it asks oh, chat GPT to mod, to filter the post correctly. And then like shows you just that feed. Um, I think that's more of a client side rendering than it is like actual plug and play moderation features. Um, but like the intention is that like, uh, you'll be able to say like, I'm running this instance and I want to use this moderation feed to moderate this instance and get it from somewhere else and be able to do stuff like that so that people can build like, this is my community moderation strategy, uh, you know, and like do all that kind of stuff. Um, moderation or curation. Like actually this is what it, the term they use for that is composable moderation. And I think it's, yeah. it's a super powerful idea. And uh, I, one of the really super interesting things about the blue, blue, blue sky concept. Now, it's not actually built yet, but let's give it a chance. It, it might be interesting. You know, we contrast that to the Fediverse, where yeah. y the curation you get is a function of the, of the instance you're on, um, which is less slick in, proportionally, uh, conceptually. But I don't know, might turn out to work okay. Well, and I think that when I was re-listening to the conversation we had in November, Tim, something that you said that was very prophetic is like, hey, people want an algorithm. Like the idea that like, no, no, no there is no algorithm. It's just the timeline. It's like, well, that is not necessarily going to bring you, and Adam had made this point too, um, that Adam Jacob, had, it's like, that's not necessarily going, to, that's not the content that I necessarily want to see that I actually, and that you're just kind of selecting a different kind of algorithm one that's just like extremely rigid that is just like in time order of everyone that I follow, which is like, okay, fine. But I actually want some curation. I want the ability to search. I want the ability like, and I, it, Tim, I think it's really interesting when you said that the, you know, there's this kind of um, reaction and part of the reason that Mastodon is so earnest is because of this reaction to an unfettered internet, which we've seen. And I feel it's like that there's some of that on the algorithm side too. It's like, it, because engagement has been used for ill by so many companies like we're going to have no engagement like, yes no engagement i support wait a minute hold on no engagement that's not for engaging actually that's not it's actually just not like that fun now to not have no i like i, I want to actually so i do think that is really interesting to have this idea of like being able to to pick different algorithms and to have different providers um and i the i'm skyline.gay thing i think it's it's maybe the first of many in this regard, which I think is fascinating. You know, one thing plan, that you right? mentioned. Yeah, that's the plan, right, exactly. Yeah, one thing I mean, that's the part. That I, sorry, oh, go ahead. sorry, please go ahead. I'll let you finish your actual question. Well, the, yeah, and I will take us in a slightly different direction, but one of the things that you had said that, that um, I wanted to come back to, because I think this is a really interesting point, is this system where they, they know who you have invited. And... 
and I know that it's a consequence of being in a closed beta, but I think it is a a kind of a more interesting analog to like an actual, you know, you go to a party, you're at that party because you know someone who knows someone who's there. And if you start misbehaving, it reflects poorly on them. And, you know, there are, you know, I, I, <laughs> not that it's a, a well known social network, but Lobsters with the Hacker News Alternative. I know Lobsters <laughs> does this. And it's, it, it, uh, it's kind of interesting that you can see. And that's kind of like locked in about, like, you know, who, how did you get here? And what does that graph look like? Aaron, do you a great think that, example like, of how that itself is not good enough to make a successful community? Please make your actual question. <laughs> Excuse me, while I, while I use lobsters to demonstrate why this is such a good system. Well, I mean, Aaron, because I thought that was a, that you, you know, you mentioned that. And I think that that's kind of interesting. And it'll be interesting. Do you think that that's going to have a way? Do you think that can moderate things a bit? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, and I don't know. But I do think it's super interesting that they're trying that and that they're using that as a lever on their closed beta. Um, to me, like the, the, the most interesting thing about Blue Sky is that they're trying a bunch of stuff that I have not seen tried or not tried at scale. Um, some of it's a tweak on existing things. Probably if I knew more, I would know that all of it is a tweak on something else. But this configuration looks like it has some some new pieces to me and you know just just having things like skyland.gay pop up so quickly it feels like they are experimenting with new ways to get at these genuinely really difficult things and something that i've seen a few people talking about especially um over the last couple of days on blue sky is you know moderation isn't solved like the fediverse has not you know it's not that the fediverse handled moderation and now we none of us ever have to think about it again because it's so good there um you know this is this is this remains a really difficult problem it's handled in so many cases by shunting the worst work to you know workers in kenya or somewhere else right. who are you know spend all day looking at atrocities like that's 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 not solving moderation, um, and so I think you know getting into to me the most interesting thing is like we as humans interact in lots of kind of cultural patterns offline all the time, and something like blue sky saying okay, well if you invite the Nazi, then we're gonna push your posts down for a minute shows a real attention to some of those offline as you say like if you bring if you bring the asshole to the party then someone might make you both leave. You know, that's just, it's an attention to human cultural patterns that we already have some fluency with showing up in interesting ways online. And I think if you assemble enough of those things um, and, and experiment with them carefully and, um, you know, it won't ever be careful enough for some people and that's also totally okay. But like, I just think that's, we need to try more things. Yeah. So that's yeah, been, yeah, yeah. That's been think, good to see. Yeah. Well, no, that I, and I—that's I, a great way of summarizing it too. In terms of like, it, it, we these are messy human problems, and it feels like there's unlikely to be a silver bullet. It's going to come down to a lot of execution yeah. and hard work. But yeah, let's experiment with some different things, and let's see what different things look like. And you know, and I think Tim, to go back to your point about about Jay, is like a really interesting person, and I it, it has. Uh, it certainly has made me, I mean, not someone that I had been following. I, like many people on Blue Sky, definitely follow her now. I, it's been really interesting to kind of watch her 
And because this is a problem that she wants to solve the the best possible way and seems to be also self-aware enough to know there's not going to be one way of doing this. It's going to be, it's going to require some experimentation. This gets back to your point, Jim, right? There isn't going to be a replacement (laughs) for Twitter. Yeah. In an ideal world, you know, there really would be a bunch of people doing clever, interesting new things in the field of, of, uh, moderation and and curation i noticed you know on blue sky today brianna Wu uh stuck her head up and uh and was saying okay let's get some people together and start thinking about how we would you know build moderation tools and moderation algorithms and so on and there's a a, another cabal of people called ifta ifta i think it's called ifta.org who are going to be launching the next couple of days who are also thinking about the same thing. Could you build a large-scale, nonprofit, foundation-funded moderation factory or something like that? Yeah. And, and it's not too hard to believe, although I, I hesitate to say something like this, I'm going to get laughed at. Um, maybe some of the LLM models would be quite useful in in, in doing moderation at scale. Um, so it, For sure. Yeah, I, I, I think that, yeah. I personally think that the, the technology is not that interesting. The technology is boring. We know how to do this. You know the, the 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 ugly parts in ActivityPub will get fixed, and you know Blue Sky. I'm sure the AT protocol will eventually be made to work. You know we can do that. So I, I think the interesting problems around around social media are the economic problems: how do we pay for it sustainably, and how do we do moderation and provide a safe, friendly, pleasing environment where you can be a little bit transgressive now and again without letting the Nazis in. Totally. And I think that, you know, this is actually a good segue, Steve, to you. And I know you've been exploring kind of the, the, the technical side of this. And uh, th- it, there's a, there's some there there. I mean, it's and you yeah. know, Tim, you had said this in November, like, hey, folks, go look at ActivityPub, go look at, at the AT protocol. Like this stuff is actually there are specifications. You can go read it. You can actually build stuff against it. I was watching Joe Beta did a live stream yesterday where he's going into and and taking it apart and running the. Uh, the the Go CLI and it was pretty interesting. Steve, you, the, the, you've been diving into this. What uh, what have you found? Yeah, I think it's actually also great. Off the previous part, like part of this experimentation aspect is really made possible even more by the data portability aspects that are like in the technical foundations. So like I'm I'm excited about that. Even though like I'm not necessarily a huge like federation or run my own instance kind of person, but one of the cool things is if I do decide that. Uh, Blue Sky uh, itself uh, say they do a terrible job with moderation and that they they mess it up. I can just like take my stuff and go to another server that I feel like does do that correctly and do that with no loss to like how my account works or like where all my data is. I think all of that is um, really interesting. Uh, This is a really, really, really important point. So Steve, I want to allow you to elaborate, but this I just want to underscore this point because this is a really important point and Aaron, I'm sure you've also seen people surprised on this on Mastodon, where because oh, it doesn't matter which instance you sign up for, you can always change it. It's like, well, you can change your instance, but actually, and Tim, you did this, you did change your instance, right. and uh, like, and the data doesn't come with you, right? I mean, it's like it, it, it's you've got to like this is a big deal because that data, right. ha- it's you got data gravity, right? With with that, and right, uh, it. So th- this is a major problem. I mean, I think I think it's I yeah it it's one of the sort of uh, gotchas um, on Mastodon as it as it works now. 
Um, and you can kind of carry some of your data along in buckets as you go when you switch instances. But like I joined a, essentially a random instance and just lucked out in that I found one that was big and tightly moderated. And I had plans to move to a different instance. Um, and I probably am never going to because I'd, I'd lose my post history. And, you know, not that my posts are all gold, but it, it just seems kind of silly to break the conversation unless I have a really good reason to, um, you know, like a local instance that made a lot of sense. Uh, I, I do see people, um, you know, and they're on Mastodon. And they're, I, you know, I, I don't know, um, you know, how, how accurate any of these assessments are. I've seen some concerns about execution on, you know, how the portability is actually going to play out in, in the real world, like literally the data stores questions about, um, you know, which things are going locally, uh, if they wind up being centralized into standard data store servers, do you run into centralization problems? I don't know, you know, I can't really evaluate those assessments. And I don't think any of us probably can until the rubber hits the road with Blue Sky and you can start moving and, things and This is just a long con to sell people oxide racks. So please, let's not get in the way of that too much. <laughs> Which are the devil, apparently, you know. So uh, no, right. yeah, no. Um, so, so, so I, I sorry, can't Steve, tell how it's going to work. I didn't mean to sidetrack you there, Steve, but you just opened no, it such an important point that I just really wanted to underscore that because I don't know that people realize that who are not on Mastodon. And this is a, a an issue that I think is very current for folks on Mastodon. Like, boy, how does this actually work? So this is a big deal. Yeah, I think this is like what I hit on in the last couple of days. Uh, and apparently uh, the devs told me it's how they talk about it too. So uh, I'll use my own words to describe it like this, but I at least have a semi-official stamp of endorsement for this analogy. So the best way to think about this whole thing is that it's Git. And I mean that in like a very serious and also kind of a silly way, uh, but not the CLI, the parts people don't like, but like the data model and things. So it's kind of like you have a repository of all of your stuff, everything that you've done, uh, and you know who you follow and unfollow, what you post, all that kind of information. And it's currently like hosted on Blue Sky, which is like github.com. But uh, you know, when you have your Git repo locally, like you are collecting all of the data in there. And if you want to upload it to a different host, you're able to like just do that. Uh, and the fact that like your sort of like Git blobs are signed by uh, your ID is you know, sort of required in the way that this works with Blue Sky. And that's kind of like how the data portability thing, um, you know, goes. Now, there's a couple of things, though, about this that are also like interesting and a little off uh, or like good or bad, I'll say. So the fact that this data is portable is great, but it also means that like deleting posts is currently like a Git revert, not like a <laughs> I rebased that commit out. So right. you, the stuff yeah. you've deleted, the stuff you've posted and deleted, it's still in that in that repo that anybody can like get. Well, not if you were running your instance, like people can look at it, like it's like public, it's all public data, right? So I could go and find the stuff you've deleted currently. Um, they're sort of working through how to like do that, like rebase basically. Um, but you know that is like one thing that's like very good, but also sort of very bad about the situation is that like it is truly public communication. Um, yeah, I understand thing. they were actually um, going deep on that on their on their Discord uh, today, trying to figure out how delete works because as yeah. soon as I went in there and read all that stuff about the the uh, the Merkel uh, the, the Merkel search tree as they call it, I was thinking, oh, hold on a second, you know oh, everything right. depends on the hash of the content. Right. Suppose the content isn't there anymore. But you know, clearly, in a, in a world that has GDPR in it and and similar legislation, it's an absolute requirement that you have to be able to make the data go away. You just can't not do that. So I'm not sure what's going on there. 
Absolutely, yeah. We'll see how it how it works out. Um, another thing that I think is interesting related to these technical things, it's always a big question, is like some people, and some people in the chat even said this, like smells like blockchain. And like the answer to that question is like both definitely no and absolutely yes, depending on what you mean by the word blockchain. If you mean if you mean blockchain in the way that most... Yeah, if, if you're using it in the sense that many people who hate blockchain use blockchain, it is absolutely none of that. Like there's no tokens, there's no servers burning the rainforest, you know, like that stuff is not uh, a thing. It's like, you know, uh, basically like Merkle trees. If you think like a Merkle tree makes it a blockchain, then like, yes, this is like uh, stored in a blockchain-like manner. Um, and so there's kind of a little bit of like back and forth there too, where like I think a lot of people see it from the outside and they go, oh, Zcash person building a thing that sounds like blockchain, this smells bad, I don't want to use it. And like, I am a pretty anti-blockchain person personally. Like I don't, don't use any of those things. Uh, don't really like them very much. And that kind of like put me off a little bit from the start too, is not realizing that this is like not, does not have the properties of the blockchain stuff I don't like, but it is using some of that technology for like in an actual good way. Like it's like a, I hate to hand it to him, but uh, like, you know, this may be an actual like good use of blockchain technology and a thing that I well, think also, is actually technically sound. If we can have an we can have an immutable distributed ledger without calling it a blockchain. I mean, it is actually possible. Like we don't actually have to be doing yeah, uh, I'm not interested in rehabilitating the term blockchain, but there are many crypto people who are like, yes, this actually is a blockchain. And I'm like, you can't use that as an argument to get people that think <laughs> that blockchains are bad to like re-agree with you because they still think the thing that they're talking about is bad. Like just the signifier and sign are separate. Like they're just, eh, anyway. Well, no, no, nobody is suggesting you could sell NFTs on it. So that's okay then. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, so there's, there's, those are the kind of things I think uh, are like sort of interesting about it technically um, in many ways. I like the layering, like the fact that the, the moderation stuff and also like any sort of algorithmic feed stuff is separate from the like data layer, I think is really interesting. I'm not entirely sure that I like love the speech versus reach concept conception of the separation of these layers but i think that they're Tell me about like, that i don't do wait, what's the what's the, the okay yeah, I don't so know I, I also think this you know, i'll back up slightly because i think this is a good way to get into this too a thing that people have been critical of jay for is the way that she's answered several questions about like um how things like moderation works by using language talking about the main blue sky instance so they're like are you going to ban nazis and she would say something like you know, in this invite-only beta, nobody has the right to access this and therefore will ban people from bad stuff. And people are like, well, what about when it's not out of beta, which is, I think, a reasonable question. But she's answering from like a, like, I have an instance and a federated system uh, position, whereas people like, uh, and and like that means because it's it's federated, like somebody you know, could spin up the Daily Stormer instance of this and make accounts. And she like knows she can't ban them. So she's answering like this way. And people are, you know, kind of like digging into those details uh, like that way instead. So that's caused like a little bit of these kinds of like problems. But it's because like when you have these distributed federated systems, they sort of have layered it out into what they call the like speech layer and the reach layer. And the speech layer is the like actual mechanisms of recording the stuff into your little repository and all that kind of stuff. And that like works and you know, whatever else. And then reach is kind of like, how do you take that data and then present it to some sort of broader public? 
Um, you know, so like a, a, a timeline would be an example of the, the part that's doing the reach. It's what lets people see all your posts. And so because those are like very clearly delineated between the two, that's what gives you that data portability. Like if I don't like the people who are running the algorithms about my reach, I can take my speech and put it somewhere else. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's like, uh, I, I think that's a lot of the details about that are sort of like these like technical low level things that are really hard to explain to folks that don't care about decentralization, which I do think is most folks. And one of the things I love about Blue Sky is that you don't have to care about any of that right now if you don't want to, like it just works well disregarding all of that. And I think that combo is, is part of why I'm really into it is that they like understand that it needs to be a product that's usable by people who don't care about these things. And then these things are like a technical add-on for people that do care about it, but they also deliver value to folks who don't need to like care about it. Like, like, uh, you know, a non-technical user is not going to care about federation, but they are going to like, like, oh, if your, you know, instance dies, you can take your data and move it to another one really easily. Like that's a useful feature independent of the ideology of decentralized, distributed, whatever else. Um, well, and this actually gets to a, another great point in your piece, Aaron, about holistic design. I thought that was a, because Steve, what you're saying in terms of like, what I like about this is it is a product. It is designed to be something that like you could see a sports franchise having an account here. And, Aaron, do you want to talk a, a bit about that? Because I, I wholeheartedly agree that the, the, the great design is always holistic, but that's kind of intention with with Federation at some level, isn't it? I mean, so I think it's maybe useful to keep in mind that the, there's Blue Sky, the app, right? And then there's that whole whatever we're, whatever horrible verse neologism we're going to come up with to talk about what's out on the AT protocol. It, um, it's not the Skeetiverse? It's got to be the Skeetiverse. Come on. Okay, it's the Skeetiverse. Great. Perfect. Uh, and then, you know, there, we talk about Mastodon, and Mastodon is what, right? The official Mastodon app and the official Mastodon website. And then there's a ton of client apps and all these things. So, and then of course there's the, you know, the Fediverse, everything that interoperates. Obviously it is difficult um, to make comparisons across those different layers. Um, so some of the complaints that I have about Mastodon in my piece are essentially complaints about like, underlying mechanisms that I think are not ideal that probably go back to ActivityPub. Um, and some of them are just, you know, we need someone to make some decisions at Mastodon, the company, about what's going to go on. For instance, what, you know, what they did on the, 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 new, um, the new design on the mobile app, the Mastodon app, you know, what's going to go in the sign-up flow. And so to be fair, I think it's, it's hard to, you know, it, it's not apples to apples to say like the Blue Sky app has, you know, these great product design points um, as opposed to the entire Mastodon experience, which is like this expanding sort of cloud. That said, I think it is a huge advantage. You know, they have a team who's focused on, uh, you know, theoretically a unified vision for what this thing should be. And they obviously care about mass adoption, even though right now they're working in a closed beta um, and that's definitely not the case for, you know, every voice in the Fediverse. Um, it's a little hard sometimes for me to get a bead on how Mastodon, the company, feels about the compromises that you make um, when you try to welcome in a mass culture. 
Uh, I definitely yeah. know, uh, especially after the way my mentions looked for the last 24 hours on Mastodon. Oh my God. Yeah. That I mean, so humor is hard, right? And I, I, I have to always, you know, kind of play with this stuff because that's how I find it useful to think about it. But definitely, like, I heard a lot of feelings because I mentioned Linux on the desktop. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and, like... I, I don't want to even hate Linux on the desktop. I just think oh, we can no. look at that and say that perhaps some things become more niche when they meant to become widely adopted. Um, well, yeah. well, what else? Like, you're getting like lit up because people are like, well, you've misconfigured Pulse Audio. Why are you blaming? It's like, no, no, you're, you're making my point. Sorry, you're making my point. You're making my point. I know you don't want to. But uh, you're my point right now. Yeah, I mean, to some extent. But like, also, I want to say like, there's people who clearly are genuinely worried about what they stand to lose if Mastodon becomes more welcoming or more inclusive, because what they feel like they have, mm. as far as I can tell, is genuinely a haven in a, a world that is, you know, largely operated, um, you know, via some surveillance capitalism characteristics, right? Um, and they feel like they have something valuable and safe and that they need to protect. And so I think that that to me, like when I say Mastodon is having an immune response to Blue Sky, it is in part, you know, that's like the Mastodon antibodies that are like, no, 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 no. What we have is really important. And not only is what they have all bad, but we shouldn't change because what if we let all those people from Twitter in and they come in and they get their Twitter cooties on us? So like, <laughs> I try to keep in mind that, you know, Mastodon has been a, a safe haven for a lot of people. And a lot of those people see a call to, for instance, simplify, um, you know, the process of signing up and make it easier to follow people. And I don't know, maybe let people try an algorithm of their own if they want. I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, but they see, I think, those things as direct attacks on, on something that they already have. And so I feel a lot of empathy about that. But I also don't think it's, I don't think it's either or. Like I, I don't, to me, for one thing, I just don't like anything that's like, we're gonna filter out the undesirables by making this really annoying. Right. I, I don't think it's a great like, design yeah. move, but like, I don't wanna be on the inside of that club. Like, I don't wanna be with yeah. the other people who love annoying shit on me, like, no. Um, so I don't know, I don't think we have to choose. Uh, I think because of, uh, instances having their own cultures. And I think because of the, you know, the many moderation plays that Mastodon offers, it's not necessarily the case that making this easier to use and less irritating for people who aren't tinkerers is, is going to overwhelm the culture. But a lot of people disagree with me very, very strongly. And that's, you know, that's fine too. But I, I do feel like the, 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 the note of loss that's been kind of playing on Mastodon all through the Twitter migrations. You know, there are people who are like, you are coming into my house and getting your footprints on my rug and it's really bumming me out. So that always happens, right? Like whenever you have a migration, it's to someplace as well as away from someplace. Um, yeah, it's also like if you are, you know, if part of the reason you're drawn to this is because it is counterculture or it's not popular, it becoming popular is exactly what you don't want. And, you know, a a friend of mine in high school was uh, a he was super into this band that he was just like, we would 
not stop talking about, but he loved the fact that it had like no fans and he loved the fact that, you know, he, when they came, you grew up in Denver and they came to Denver and he was one of like 15 people to watch him. And he's playing this tape for me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This seems good or whatever, but he's just like super into them. And I, you know, uh, maybe it's a couple weeks after that, I called him up. I'm like, John, you're not going to believe it. But that song that you played for me, I just heard it on the radio. He's like, oh, what? No. I'm like, no, I just heard it on the radio. It's like, he, he was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, I, I love these guys. Like, that's what I, oh, this is so great. And then like two hours later, I called him again. I'm like, John, they just played it again. He's like, oh no, no, <laughs> no. And that band was Nirvana. And right. that was Smells Like Clean Spirit. And it like crushed him that they became popular. And he like, and he's like, I'm okay, forget it. I'm moving to, I believe the next, he's like, I'm going to this other band that no one's ever heard of. Uh, I think it was Soundgarden that he went to next. And then Soundgarden. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And he's like trying to get like weirder and weirder. And finally he's like screaming trees. No one's ever going to love it. And of course, like he is like, he is like 15 minutes ahead of the grunge movement in the nineties. And it's coming for everything that he loves. And the, but you know, it, and it like the fact that it became pop culture disgusted him in a way that I found deeply admirable, I have to say. But I, I mean, I, like, yeah, we're old enough to remember the big, the, the big cultural don't sell out force, right? Like that was totally. a real thing in the 90s. Yep. That, that oh, is Gen X represent. Oh, <laughs> I feel so. that that has been lost. Man, my kids are Gen Zers and they like, they can't wait to sell out. They want, they're not even, even going to hold out for the highest bidder. They're just going to sell out for nothing. Like <laughs> right they, away. You know, right away. Um, absolutely. So, so Brian, I'm going to have to push back a little bit there. You know, I, um, there, there's certainly an element of what you say is true, but but I think it's probably not uh, a good characterization of of the broader Mastodon populace these days. And um, and Mastodon is not oh, for sure is, is yeah. not standing still. Let me just say a couple of concrete yeah. things. You know, as of today, when you go to join Mastodon, you know, it, 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 there's a great big green button that says join here. And if you join there, you're on Mastodon.social. Bang. OK, there's a lot of people irritated about that because that, that's not really decentralized. But it makes like the number one problem go away. So second thing, um, I, if anybody uses uh, Mastodon via uh, a browser. It, actually, Tim, can we just actually expand on that? Because I actually think it makes a couple of problems go away. Um, it makes the number one problem go away of like picking an instance. It makes another really serious problem go away that you highlighted it, and I think you highlighted it as well, which is if you kind of just stumble onto an instance that actually does not have really good moderation, you can see horrific things on mass. Oh, very quickly. As your, like, first experience. Yeah. Yeah. So it also solves that problem. There. Yeah. No, it I, I think it's yeah. very important that they did that. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Tim. Didn't mean to. Just no, wanted to expand I, on just how important that is. I'm, I'm glad nobody. I'm glad nobody here objected to that because I, I certainly think it's a no-brainer. Second thing is, um, for anybody who uses Mastodon on a browser, you should really go and visit fanpy.social. That's p-h-a-n-p-y. Dot social. It's an alternate web client, and it is lovely. It is elegant, minimal, rich and very good, and it's qualitatively different from any other Fediverse client I've seen. Um, I don't know how it works on, 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 on mobile that much, but uh, so we're starting to see some really nice innovation on the other side. The other thing I think that, that uh, Mastodon has here that maps 
well onto the real world is the fact that there's going to be a huge proportion of people who whose identity is going to be related to the school they're in or the job they have. And boy, that works so well on Mastodon, right? Because if you are Noam Chomsky at MIT.edu, just by looking at it, you know who that is, right? Or if you're yeah. Sally Wall at undergrads.mit.edu, that tells you something different and still useful. And so the notion of identity that is offered there is, I think, just right for a huge proportion of people in the world. Um, but, you know, not for everybody. I just yeah, wanted to tag on, because um, I, I, I didn't want to seem needlessly or unintentionally mean. Um, I want to save mean for like, if it's really called for, and I don't think it is here, but I don't think it's just a hipster impulse. That's like, I don't want to be where, you know, the, 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 the mass culture is that some of that for sure. But also like, there are plenty of people who are super concerned about, you know, like the, the, the inclusion of full text search or something like that, because they've had a lot of terrible experiences with people, you know, using full text search to make their lives super miserable. Um, So I, I I just, I, I do think that they're like, I would love to see the people who have those pockets of safety be um you know on instances and in ways that let them keep those things i would be honestly pretty horrified by full text search that didn't allow some kind of either opt-in or opt-out probably opt-in um you know on mastodon because there's a ton of people who need to be out of that and who picked mastodon specifically for that reason and i don't think there's any reason to throw those people under the bus to make it nicer for everybody else i I mean I i don't think those things are necessarily in conflict a lot of people do think that, and it's going to be super contentious, whatever happens. And I am extremely glad not to be working for Mastodon <laughs> Company. Like it, those yeah. people have incredibly hard jobs. Everyone is mad at them 100% of the time. Um, so it's, yeah, like I, I honestly, a lot of respect for what they do and a lot of empathy and sympathy for the situation that they're in. I think something like today's post, um, you know, on the Mastodon blog that gives, you know, in a centralized public place that isn't a bunch of GitHub issues and isn't like replies to people, um, a statement about uh, where they expect to go. I love that. You know, I love that kind of transparent, open communication. I think that builds a lot of trust. I think that's one of the things, you know, we talked about like Jay is great at that on Blue Sky. Um, Feeling like the people who are in charge of at least a piece of the experience are willing to be straight with you and not cagey and are responsive and may not always give you the answer that you want, but they're just going to give you an answer. And it's clear that there's thought behind it. I don't think the folks that masked on the company are necessarily any less thoughtful. I would just like to hear more from them. Um, and, And I think it's a really good sign, you know, the things that Tim is talking about. And just like, you know, for me, communication is a ton of this. That's like so much of how you inspire and maintain trust. Um, is just keeping keeping that flowing. Again, that's super hard when you're a few people in a building trying to keep all of these planes in the air. But honestly, also huge respect to the Blue Sky team for being so uh, forthright about things as honestly, the <laughs> they talk about building the plane while they're flying it, but like the plane has flown into a million pieces over and over this yeah. week. And they've, they've been real cool-headed. Um, and, and really cool-headed. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, I, I think I think Jay's skeet was like, "We're actually building the plane as it's falling out of the sky." I mean, I think there it's it the, is. Yes, uh, it the, was. 
and which was which was great. No, in a, in a bunch there I, that that I want to tease apart. Um, what, I mean, one, and I think this is a, a kind of a point we're coming to again and again and again, and that I do feel is like the one thing I feel I can say unequivocally, and I think that that folks here agree with it. There, it it feels less and less likely that there's going to be one network to rule them all. That these things are intention, sure. and that that. And I think that, and I and I didn't actually. That I sorry if it came across the way my my kind of description of of John and his falling out with Nirvana, but the I, I don't actually. I, and I think Aaron, you're speaking very earnestly to what the reason why people wouldn't want to see a massive why it works for them and why there are some things that are an essential feature for someone else that would really be uh, would really stoke fear in someone in someone who's on Mastodon. It's like, no, no, I, I, it is very important to me that we not have search for some reasons that are go right to the core of my feelings of safety online and versus someone else may be like, listen, I gotta be able to have search to make this thing useful for me. So like, how do you resolve that? That tension I think is, 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 is a real, and as you say, I would not want to be be tough to be at Mastodon. Yeah, I mean, every to... one of these, yeah, sorry, I just, every single one of these decisions is fractal because also it's like one of the nice things about search is you can find out if people are like freaking out about you without tagging oh. you in. <laughs> and there isn't that because there's no quote tweet, um, you know, style set of patterns. So yeah, you can like manually quote toot or post um, on Mastodon, or you can do it more, you know, in a nicer way on some of the client apps. What you don't have is any visibility on like where that's happening. For some people, like for me, I would definitely rather not know. <laughs> like it's great. I love not knowing. But a lot of people, um, you know, maybe they need to know because maybe they're going to get swatted um, and they could use the heads up. So all of these things are gnarly. And I think it's so good to have more people working on those problems. Um, I, I don't know. For me, like I'm for myself, I have a hard time imagining that I'm only ever going to be on one of these things. Uh, even when I was on Twitter, I was on other Aaron, things. I'm so glad you brought that up about, about about search because you know I've been a search person at one point in my life, and yeah. and it took me a while to get what these people were saying, but they, but they're right. And every time I try and explain this to ordinary mainstream geeks, you're saying what you don't want everything to be instantly searchable forever, and uh, they look at me like I'm crazy. And, right. and there's a deep lesson, a really deep lesson in there that, you know what? There's a whole lot of people in the world who don't want every character they type into their browser to be gone, their permanent, immutable, searchable record forever. You know, yeah. and, and, and I think that's an important part of having a place that's a good place for people to be safe in. I, I fully yeah. agree. And there were, there, were, there were some things happening on sort of while I was piecing out on Twitter that I found just like particularly like a new kind of terrible which was people going back through and searching, you know, like, what did you say on this day? Did you react to this event or not? And if you didn't react to this event, uh, that is another piece of evidence in the dossier we are assembling about you. Um, I highly recommend one of, uh, Adam, oh, for my shit. birthday, <laughs> gave me one of my most cherished possessions, the book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. <laughs> like, like is this feels very directed but it was it, I'm not, I don't want to get into the whole discourse there like yeah there are social functions for shame and all that stuff but man when it get, when it gets the mass scale and it's just like you know roving groups of people who are just enjoying themselves by um you know ruining the lives of people with 200 followers it's like oh man that that is that is not a 
That is it's not, not the better angels or nature. It's not great. Yeah, like it really makes me extra understand why people feel super hostile to search. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, again, like every single one of these things has to, like it gets to the core of how we are as people online together. So it's not going to be simple. And it's very encouraging for me to see a bunch of different places trying different patterns in earnest. And a lot of people, I would say, who are like super not into blue sky on Mastodon are like, well, I don't I don't trust those people to do anything right. It's all going to be malicious and, you know, for the worst motivations. And so they don't see any value in the experimentation. To me, I, I don't you know, I don't think I have that kind of evidence. So to me, I think these experiments are super interesting. And as Steve, I think you said, you know, if the blue sky uh, folks specifically, you know, if they wind up making decisions that turn out to seem, you know, terrible. They also are making a protocol that will allow you to move easily to a different spot. So I don't know, I'm super encouraged by this moment. Um, Even though I would have written a different blog post if I'd written it uh, today after the Mastodon blog post than I did yesterday. (laughs) I've been reflecting on what you were saying earlier, actually, because like, I'm the kind of person that like, so ironically, like because 4chan has full text search and I keep tabs on what people are saying about me everywhere online because I'm the literal opposite of you, uh, like <laughs> I have read more 4chan than Mastodon over the last couple yeah. years because Mastodon's totally opaque. And I was like, I'm going to drive myself crazy trying to figure out if people are talking trash on me on this. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, and so like, it's like weird. It's like weird. I'm also not saying that looking at people, you know, saying they want to murder you is like healthy. Uh, but it is something that I do. Uh, and so it is like interesting, as you're all saying, like none of these things are necessarily right or wrong or better or worse. Uh, yeah. I'm also not totally unique about it. I, I block like 60,000 Twitter accounts or something. Uh, and ironically, that's made it harder to do those kinds of searches. And I go back and forth on like which way I would rather be about it. Um, but uh, okay, so actually, yeah, can we talk about that for a second, Steve? Because there is a, a and it's unclear if this is kind of a transient artifact or not. But right now, block lists are public um, on Blue Sky. Um, and I, I feel like with Blue Sky, oh. this is the kind of thing that, like, has that changed during this? Has that changed since five o'clock? So, you, this is a perfect transition to how, wait, is this 12 minutes ago? Jay skeeted about oh how they're building, they're building the functionality to copy or follow another account's block list and just get their yeah. blocks automatically. Um, oh, interesting. So, now, does that keep the- so okay, boy, do I have got that is interesting. I've got super mixed feelings about that because I obviously there's a I totally get why people need to be able to block people that are harassing them online and not not to be public and and, and so on. But I get so annoyed by people like Paul Graham and Mark Andreessen who will block people that they just like that they just don't want to hear a voice that they don't want to hear they block and i kind of feel like if you're a billionaire sorry like you're just gonna have to like just endure here um or you don't have to endure and we get to know i mean i do feel like it's like there's there's a certain level where it's like it makes total sense for blocking me private and there's another level where it's like it really does not feel right to me that you are able to sculpt your your own personal echo chamber by using blocking. And I don't know, like, I honestly don't know what I kind of feel about that. So like, I worry, Steve, about if it's really easy for people to share block lists, because I think this is what happened to me. I, and I think this has happened to a lot of people where 
Andreessen, because Andreessen, has, has Andreessen ever blocked you, Adam? I feel like. Yeah, I've, I've been blocked and I tried to figure out why. And I, I think I added him, but in the most tepid way possible. And it can't conceivably have been the reason I got blocked. But yeah, it's been like so, a decade. Yeah, he blocked and me. So, he blocked me. And, and all you have to do is go after crypto. <laughs> this is before. This was way pre crypto. I, I think I just. Way pre crypto. Oh, really? <laughs> and he blocked me, and I, w- I became convinced that, like, I don't think I've, I, I, like, this is long before I was publicly disparaging him. So I feel that that he got a list from someone else. And I mean, I don't know, this is where you kind of go into like tinfoil hat territory. And, and then pathetically, like, I had him on the phone when I, he was, where I was pitching oxide to him. Bad idea, went poorly mistake regret in life um but the i didn't have even the guts to ask him like why do you block me um and i i want to like not i shouldn't be like thinking about that but it's interesting that he blocks all of us and it's like shouldn't that i mean i feel it should be public information that he blocks maybe even just like the number of people would be i don't know but steve you're someone who also blocks a lot of people so what what do you feel about this do you feel it should be i mean where do you kind of land on people sharing block lists i can see it being great, but I can also see it um, not being so, great. I'm trying to broader discourse. I was I was going to make a joke that I I can be the, in the middle of your positions, Brian, because I believe that people have the right to curate what they see and don't see as like kind of a fundamental like sort of level. But billionaires aren't people, so P Marka has to see my stuff. Um, uh, you beat you beat me to my my only joke, which is hear me out. The blue checks have to publicize their blockage. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that I think that like this is super complicated and it kind of to echo what was said in the last section. I think this is deeply personal. I think that yeah. like enforcing that people can't, uh, you know, like block someone is just like that's not how even real life works. Right. Like you can say, am I curating right. my echo chamber by being in this room as opposed to a different discord call somewhere else? Like I'm currently listening to you and I'm not listening to those other people. Like, you know, where, how does all that work? Like, where do these lines draw? Like fundamentally people, you know, will withdraw from situations they don't find to be pleasant. And so if you can't block people by blocking them, then you can block them by not using the app. And you know, that will also be a thing that happens. I think that stuff being public, is a really interesting double-edged sword. I don't see how it can be different in a federated system um, because that's just, like how, how else does that work without it being public? But it's it's helpful in the sense that like, you know, we were talking about moderation earlier, like in some sense, subscribing to someone's moderation system is, you know, their block list, basically. Like those are kind of isomorphic, essentially, if not literally the same in some circumstances. Uh, yeah, although blocking so, is, this, is this kind of like irredeemable moderation. Like you cannot, there's nothing that you can say tautologically that gets me to, to, to reconsider what you're saying because I can't even see you. You're in my kill file. Like I, you're not, like you are no one. It's so it is, it's kind of, it's extraordinary. So in Blue Sky, so, block lists are public and are going to remain so, it sounds like. So, it, so let me drive a stake in the ground here. I think blocking is sacred, and I think shared block lists are a boon, and we need more of them to be actively maintained by people, because, you so know what? Then, Tim, do you, what about those block lists being public? Because I think I'm with you if the block lists are public. Uh, well, it turns out that I'm, I'm we already have this. There's this, this successful block party app. Which is mostly used to 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 block sexual predators and harassers, and has been quite successful. And I think you can subscribe to that without revealing you're subscribing to that. And I think that's fine. Um, 
my, my instinct is that it should not be public in general. Um, yeah. And but you know, there's what? actually there's several guerrilla operations spinning up now um, to actually do shared block list as a service. And in fact, speaking as a person who does a who, who moderates a Mastodon node, it, our job would be really hard without that because. It actually works reasonably well. Sure, what happens, I'm sure, many times every day is some random Nazi spins up a little little instance so he can start slamming people. Boy, those get noticed fast. And, you know, when you go on shift, you know, once every 24 hours, you just upload the latest block list. And right. the result is that the people on your instance are almost certainly not going to see that. It works great. I, I don't want anybody screwing with that. But it has to be shared, right? It has to be shared. Otherwise, the workload is just completely impossible. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, I I was on Twitter during GamerGate, and that's when I started using a shared block list because things totally. got extremely gnarly. Um, and then later, yeah, I did have to be like, okay, so that was that blocking like how many tens of thousands of people that I did not personally block at some point. It would be nice to be able to see like who actually made those decisions. Like, I, I would love some transparency about what. Yeah. Like, Specifically, what gets you onto a shared block list? What are the parameters for that? Because I don't necessarily always want to trust the judgment of someone I don't know. Um, but the, the actual presence of the lists, I think, is super important for, the, for just the reasons that Tim said. And also, like, anybody, anybody who becomes a target of brigading um, over time, like, not even as, like, a one-time thing, there are people who deal with it. You know, <laughs> sounds like, Steve, maybe you. Um, but... <laughs> it's it's at some point it's like i don't care who's on that list just get these people out of my get them out of my mentions get them away from me i need a break so i don't know public i mean it's right because it's public officials like i feel like public officials on the internet maybe should have to publish their block lists that's Mm. like that's the line for me like billionaires i don't know whatever but like actual elected officials they should have to publicize their damn block lists and yeah, maybe there's a demarcation line there that's that simple where it's just like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that you've you and, and maybe it is just like elected officials or because I mean, I obviously and Tim, totally your points like why this is so essential and important. And I think it's like also like I also just want to like slap myself and be like, what you don't even care what Mark Andreessen thinks. Like, why are you? But I, you know, I think everybody when you when you just and I, yeah, I assume this is, certainly has happened to me. And if if you've been blocked by Andreessen, you've this has happened to you where you've come across someone new on the internet who you've never met. As the best of your knowledge, like never said anything to. It's like this person blocks me. It's like okay, like, and you know, you it's just frankly, it's like you want to you want to know like what did I do? Is there is there a way that I can apologize or what have you? But um, you know, it, but ultimately, like, that's not our individual right. We don't actually have the right to, like, people have got, you know, I think that you've got the right to not want to hear someone from someone and not have any due process associated, associated with that. Like, that's, that's, yeah, a, that's like a right we've got to process is, is a legal government concept. It's totally. not an interpersonal yeah. relationship concept. It's, it's not an and interpersonal like, I have also been very sad when I found out that someone who seems cool blocks me and I don't know why they blocked me and we never interacted, but like, that's just, that is unfortunately part of being human is people are going to make you sad sometimes and you got to deal with it. And that's like on me, not on them. You know what I mean? When also like Steve, just like your problem is that you go to 4chan just so you can like understand all the terrible things people are saying about you. I just, I don't block anybody. Um, And in particular, (laughs) My life so, would have been um, would have been arguably better. I mean, I had you know I've got some I got some right. haters out there. Let's let's 
Let's, uh, is that's true in all circumstances? Do you believe that you, that's always true and you'll never block anybody ever? Or are there reasons that haven't happened to you yet that you would choose to block someone? You know, it, 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 hard to say because, I mean, obviously, here's, I work Here's a concrete thing yeah. that has happened to me on Twitter. I had someone yeah. DM me my actual real home address, including my apartment number, and say, this yeah. you, every day for a month. Yeah, that, that, that's blocked yeah. territory. Yeah. I think, I think that would be my like, first block. So, like, <laughs> saying, like, I shouldn't be able to block those people, like, that is, like, I, uh, you know, that's, like, you want to talk about, like, mental health issues from social media. Like, right. that, was, that was a bad month. Uh, and... Like blocking someone is the only way to get that to like stop, and that's like not cool and not okay. Um, Brian, uh, yeah, it's in poor taste to say this, but you, like me, are a hyper over entitled cis white male neurotypical. <laughs> okay, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, you are, we are playing life on the lowest difficulty level. Uh, that that is true, but I, I that a hundred percent true in that. Um, but it's also true that and Adam, I actually I, I I called you on the phone during an extremely low moment when I was being when I was being harassed online, and and I should have blocked that. I I just I I should I would have been healthier for me. Um, to and I don't know why I can't go to it. Um, but certainly Steve in that situation, like yeah, you, you certainly and. and and Tim, to your point about like, you know, living in a world where physical safety or safety is not, you know, I, I got that luxury. And the second I didn't have, if I were deprived of that luxury, someone DMing me my personal information or someone, I mean, God forbid, you know, going after my kids. I mean, it's like, yeah, now it's a whole new territory for sure. And it's, it is really important that, that you've got ways of, doing this and i think it's interesting that the and i think that this is where you know Aaron, to your kind of point about experimentation like how can we experiment with some of this stuff to you know so, to make this it, it, it uh let, let's solve the problems we have and try to introduce the fewest number of new problems <laughs> and how can we go do right. this yeah i mean <laughs> I, and obviously I, I unfortunately i don't have the answer to that however um I, I will say that I have enjoyed seeing on Blue Sky the the back and forth and what appeared to be to me, um, you know, in these early days, the signs that the folks on the Blue Sky team are in fact listening. Because um, oh. I, I, you know, I think I, I I really value these experiments. I think they're important. Obviously, some of them are going to go wrong and people are going to get hurt in the experiments, and I think that's why a lot of folks don't want to see it done. Um, you know, I think knowing what you're getting into, knowing, for instance, that you're in a beta app, I saw Jay uh, speak that if you need blocking, you need to wait a little bit. This was like in another era of Blue Sky four Monday. days ago or whatever it was. Yeah, Monday. <laughs> um, you know, and I think you know, letting people opt in and understand, you know, this could, things could get rough on and off over time because it's an experiment. That is uh, like the bare minimum that you can do. But also just listening when people say, you know, we need this, we need these safety features, we need the airbag. Um, you know, these are things that we need or we need to opt out. I, I like to see, I like to see that. Um, I think the same things have happened on Mastodon just over the course of many years, like Blue Sky is really speed running right now. Um, so it's kind really of easy to follow the conversations because yeah. they've, they've been through like four social media eras since last weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah. and 
And it's, you know, again, it's kind of unfair to contrast with Mastodon, which is, you know, extremely deliberate in its decision-making, if not always particularly transparent. Um, so, yeah. But I do think that like, because it is so, Blue Sky is so engaging, you've got a bunch of people that are there and they are, I mean, it's speed running kind of internet culture. And in particular, and it goes to a point that, that you've been making a lot, Aaron, is that the you've got this kind of experimentation not just happening from Blue Sky themselves, but from the user base. And and the way that Jay is handling herself with that experimentation, I think is really interesting. In particular with like skeets, right? The, the, the terminology. <laughs> I mean, I just like... Jay herself was like, please, it just cannot be skeet. Please, don't like, make literally, it so Jake don't Tapper make it skeet. Is on air. Yeah, yeah, make yeah. it make it anything else. And of course, like people had already spoken. It's like, sorry, it's skeets. And then like, but she tacked right into that. It's like, all right, you know what? It's skeets. Yeah. And that is something that I it was frustrating, I think, for anyone who was a longtime Twitter user. So many Twitter innovations happened from the user base. And then they were only really codified by Twitter um, long after they were ubiquitous. Really late. I mean, yeah, really, really, late. really late. And So the, the the retweet and the quote tweet, and I mean, God, we were on Spaces, Twitter Spaces forever, and it's like, man, we had so many, you know, so many things we wanted to go do with that. And I think that you know, one thing that's interesting about Blue Sky is with the the Open API, the ability to have some of that experimentation outside of the bounds of Blue Sky is pretty interesting and like we yeah. can try some of that on and get a little bit of a you know where can we foster a kind of safe experimentation that doesn't have to be a hundred percent controlled by blue sky and then the fact that blue sky is very willing to experiment is right. and and very just uh, you know willing to <laughs> roll with it is just yeah. I mean, and also they, all, they also have a very good sense of humor all of them i, I the I, I mean the paul the the developer that i think all of us now follow the yeah. what feels like i mean That's they're great. very very funny and they're very willing to kind of listen to people and they're superhuman you know and i uh, they obviously are you know real individuals who are uh, certainly appear to be trying to do good work that's not necessarily going to prevent something horrible from happening um because when the worst people on the internet have an opportunity to do something horrible they always will and blue sky is almost certainly going to open up some opportunities either as an experiment or as a mistake. And, you know, bad things are going to happen because that's that's what happens when people hang out together on the internet. Um, right. So I guess yeah. my hope is, you know, like that the people in these spaces understand when they need helmets and understand which things are more worked out. Um, I, I think the very slow pace of development on the Mastodon side has come with some benefits, you know? <laughs> it's very unlikely that Mastodon is going to turn overnight. Um, and so and I think it's great to have both. Let's have speed run over here. Um, and, and let's have, you know, maybe not as slow, um, but like a little more deliberate in another place. I think that's really good. I think that's healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously Mastodon has made mistakes too. Bad things have happened there um, and and often learn from them. And the the work that, you know, the the things that we see in moderation and the, the, the shared block lists and things like that, you know, didn't necessarily come from the central place either as what you're saying with, you know, the possibility on Blue Sky. So I guess I just want to keep kind of even handed. I think both of these pots are interesting. Um, but yeah, if I were someone who was primarily concerned with being um, 
away from potential harm, Blue Sky is definitely kind of a potentially explosive uh, little lab right now. So, I mean, I'm just hanging out in the corner watching things happen on Blue Sky, and it's super entertaining. That's great. Were you online when the uh, someone figured out how to get a whole bunch of mentions in the metadata? Into one, yeah. Oh, my God, it was delicious. So all of a sudden, (laughs) and I'm sure, and Steve, I know you were on the, and sorry, Adam, this this, this predates you on on this. Way way before me, like eight hours, yeah. Yeah, by eight hours. But like all of a sudden, you see this skeet. That and I'm like I got just got a notification to everyone, and you think like oh my god I am about to be the most delightful please remove me from this email list, okay. and uh, Steve I know you described like going over to that as like the second you got over it there were already like sixty replies to it and the replies yeah. were hilarious I was laughing so, I was alone in the office laughing I mean like I was just laughing out loud it was so funny yeah it's so very good. Th- and I mean, I think we can, I mean, to end your point, like we can expect more stuff like that. I mean, that was obviously harmless and, uh, and ultimately ended up being pretty funny, but we can also expect there will be, you know, the, part of being an open system is people will discover flaws and loopholes and so on. And yeah, it's like, it's, oh, sorry, I got around your block list or yeah, I got I mean, around everyone that. Screws you up. Me. Yeah. There's everyone like a, it's like a common thing. And, uh, d- I play this video game called Destiny. Uh, it's been around for a long time. It's got a lot of people that play it, but like they have lots of bugs because it's a very old software system. And right now is a moment where the system has been particularly unstable. And people are like, how didn't you test this before releasing it? And everybody who does software development is like, gamers are so entitled because like, if you have a million people playing your game, they're going to do more like fuzzing of the system in the first five minutes of it being live then like we you know even though we have a full staff of software testers like just from a time perspective like there's not enough time to test every single corner of these complicated systems and so that's kind of like what you're seeing in here i think too is like as they you know went from 200 users to 20,000 users to 50,000 users there's just you know so many more people probing the edges of all these various parts, which is part of the reason why you invite more people, obviously. But you kind of see an increasing rate of people finding these little funny corners. Like the way that at everyone was implemented is that there's like a rich text uh, concept in posts that let says I'm mentioning this user in this post, but you don't have to actually mention them in the post. You can just do it in the metadata, and they hadn't limited the metadata, uh, you know, down enough. And so somebody found you could put 500 different people, and the <laughs> server would accept it. And so that's like how it worked was like this joke about mentioning at everybody, but then using the rich text system in a way that they like didn't exactly expect. And so they were like, oh yeah, that's really funny, and like good job. And now we're gonna you know like limit the number of things right. you can add in that field. But like you know you just you just can't figure it out uh, until. Yeah. People mess with that. Unlike the game scenario, um, what's going to happen is there's going to be an organized malicious attack by people with an evil political agenda who are technically competent and large in number and well-funded. Well, and and that's why I think that you want to to kind of get these things uh, figured out when you've got this kind of playful demographic on there. There are a bunch of folks on there that that do that are infosec folks that are just having fun with it, and you want those kind of, you know, I wouldn't say criminal mind, but definitely a mind that is trying to figure out how to exploit a system. You want that on there when the stakes are relatively low, so you don't end up, I think, in the the problem, Tim, that you know where we've got where the stakes end up being a lot higher. And 
the stakes in social networking are really, really high. And we've, you know, I think we talked about this in, in November as well. Um, but the, the stakes are high in social networking because they are ways of getting actual real people to do actual real things. And that's what's scary about social networking. And that's why it's, and we've obviously seen that, we've seen that in just, in, in unspeakable quantity in the, the last years uh, in terms of, of, you know, the, 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 all of the, the, the kind of very negative discourse. I mean, I, I, if, if you had told me in, you know, 1990, that there would be that, uh, you know, a full, whatever it is, a third of the country was going to refuse a vaccine for a pandemic. I just would not have believed you. And social networking bears some culpability there, right? And so this is why this stuff is super important to actually to get right. And the, But getting that right means kind of experimenting with it in the small. One thing yeah, I would like to I, clarify. Yeah, sorry, Aaron, go ahead. Oh, just real quick. I, I like... Uh, pouring one out for the enormous loss of institutional knowledge at Twitter because they had fought some of the hardest fights dealing with nation state actors and, and organized everything for so long. And we saw so many screw ups and there were a lot of things that, you know, a lot of us hated, but they also just knew and learned so much. And that, that whole cathedral burned real fast, um, which is a tremendous loss to, you know, everyone trying to do this work after. It's been good to see a few people, you know, who are ex-Twitter folks talking about this stuff. But I think most of it they can't even talk about, which is just really heartbreaking. It is. So I, I, I totally agree with you about the, but I, I wonder if, if, if the analog is a cathedral fire or a forest fire, because I, I, I don't actually, I, as soon as I said that, I was like, I don't feel that way about Twitter and I shouldn't say it, but it is knowledge. There's a, well, yeah. <laughs> well, nobody, cause I, I think that with the thing that's interesting, I mean, I remember you know, when I first came out to Silicon Valley, um, SGI was, was being, was, uh, just mis- running, flying into the side of the mountain. Um, and Tim, you remember these days and, uh, I was watching all of the, and in particular, a a project that a friend of mine was on to do a new GPU at SGI, uh, Olympus, had been t- horrifically mismanaged, and that thing flew into the side of the mountain. And so all of them were like, "Screw this, we're going to go do our own company," and that was Nvidia. And you you know the the the, um, the fact that you know some of that institutional knowledge. You hope that, like a forest fire, you you do hope that this kind of yes. like unlocks new birth, and that you get some of the wisdom that is in the in blue sky and others, where it's like, hey, we've done this at scale, and here's some of the problems we've seen. The thing I, I really like about Jay's disposition is just like the knowledge that there's not going to be a single solution to this. You are not. I mean, these Musk has mismanaged Twitter in so many different dimensions, but one of them surely is the is the fact that he did not understand. That that the moderation is not a technical problem; it's a techno-social problem and or social technical problem. And you, you, you he minimized how thorny and nuanced this problem is. And I don't get any of that from Jay, who really seems to understand how how nuanced all this is. I mean, right? I, and there's I actually would say this that, would be super quick. <laughs> I just wanted to say humility, like the presence of humility and yeah. and a willingness to uh, you know acknowledge uncertainty, is super valuable to me. I, I think there's actually grounds for optimism in that the among the Twitter engineering diaspora, there are a lot of people who really know their shit about this stuff. And yeah, totally. They they have 
major contributions to offer right in the middle of this inflection point. Now, there's the question of the business model, which is <laughs> unknown at this point, but uh, still. All right, so one thing I would like to say, and I don't know why I'm defending VC-funded companies, I guess, we, I mean, we certainly are one, but I would like to say that for those who are dismissing Blue Sky because it is a VC-funded company, I don't be so fast um, because at this stage of the company, the VCs don't actually control the company. It doesn't, now, qualifiers, I don't know how it's structured. I don't know what their their, their board looks like. I don't know what their well, company looks like. Right. Their cap table looks like. It is not a VC-funded company. It is just Jack. No, it's a Jack it, company. It's thirteen million dollars of money from Twitter back when right. Jack and Tarek were running it. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know how yeah, that's structured. It's, it's a B Corp, which is which Aaron made that point in the, in the post, which I thought was an important one. Yeah, I think that's super interesting that they made that call. Uh, that is super interesting. I somehow missed yeah. that in your post, Aaron. It's a B Corp. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a public benefit, oh. and it, and I think that 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 actually makes the the comparison with Mastodon the company even more interesting to me, just from like a finance side. That is really interesting. Yeah, I did not know it's a B Corp. Okay, well, that is definitely all right. So then, then those concerns are not well founded for those who are saying that, like you know, the rapacious venture capitalists are going to kind of you know drain this thing. I mean, there's like the, the adjacency, the, right? The there's only like, thing is yeah, the adjacency. Jack is on the board. Uh, yeah. but like, that's the only thing. And he doesn't seem to really care. Like I, I saying that this is Jack's thing is just like, not really a real, it's not a real thing to say basically at this think, point. I right. mean, he's been uh, kind of dismissive also about it recently, which is seems, <laughs> yeah. Well, Jack, is more, Jack seems to be more interested in Noster, uh, yes. which, which makes sense because Jack has always been a bit of a crypto weenie and, you know, there's definitely crypto smell <laughs> out of Noster. <laughs> yeah, so but, yeah, those who are concerned about crypto from Blue Sky will take that as a as a as a positive sign for sure. Yep. Um, well, this has been a a terrific discussion. Um, the, in, Aaron, Tim, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thanks for and, putting this together. Yeah, this is I, I, I and you know I I think that this is I, I'm even. You know, I, I know this has been a distraction for all of us, but social networking is a distraction. But social networking also, we've said this before, it it also gives us a lot, and it's important to us. And uh, I think this is a very thoughtful discussion. Aaron, again, loved the piece. I thought it was terrific. Um, and if, if hopefully folks will check that out. Tim, thanks for bringing that to, to my attention on Mastodon, by the way. Saw that on Mastodon. So uh, thank you, Mastodon, for bringing me this terrific content. Um, but a, a really great, great discussion and uh, reason for optimism. So uh, we'll have to check back in um, maybe at the, towards the end of the year and see how it works out. But um, I don't think any of us can predict it, but uh, it definitely feels like an, it's an exciting time for sure. Agreed. Good fun. All right. Thanks, everybody.